This is the Efa Tech Talk podcast, proudly sponsored by Kuvings, the leading kitchen appliance brand loved by health conscious people throughout over 80 countries. Kuvings, beyond best. Hello and welcome to the Efa monthly news podcast, Tech Talk. My name's Harry Benjamin. This month we'll be talking about the world of gaming. A little later on we'll be joined by two special guests from Omdia, Stephen Bailey, the Senior Principal Analyst of Games, and Paul Gray, Research Director for Consumer Electronics. Stephen specialises in the online PC gaming market, virtual worlds, online consoles, as well as casual browser-based and social gaming, whilst Paul's main research area is TV sets, focusing on the European region, broadcast technology, smart TV, and new TV features. Plenty to discuss then as we look forward to catching up with Stephen Paul a little later on in the podcast. But first, all the latest news from the world of gaming, powered by the EFA Newsroom. Lots of news to digest, actually, as the global markets for video games and PC games are set to grow significantly from $197.54 billion in 2021 to $225.97 billion in 2022. Research and markets says growth in both market segments is mainly due to the companies rearranging their operations and recovering from the COVID-19 impact, which had earlier led to restrictive containment measures involving social distancing, remote working and the closure of commercial activities that resulted in operational challenges. The video game software market is expected to reach $380 billion in 2026, while the digital PC games market should reach $19.33 billion. Other big drivers in the video game software market include rapid growth in emerging markets in this forecasted period, recovering commodity prices after a significant decline in the historic period period is further expected to aid the market growth. Also, these emerging markets are expected to grow slightly faster than the developed market, with stable economic growth presumed to increase investments in end-user markets, thus driving the market during the forecast period. In the PC games market, the advantage of convenience, cross-buying and ease of storage provided by digital distribution allows players easier access to games the moment they're launched, driving the market further. In fact, according to Game Industry Biz and Ipsos, 30% of people People consider buying digitally due to the low price that is being offered, and 20% bought them at a discount. Another factor to bear in mind is the emergence of cloud gaming in both markets. Many video game developers, including Activision and Blizzard Entertainment, provide their content through a subscription-based model, allowing consumers to purchase additional content or features through microtransactions. This provides a continuous revenue stream for the gaming companies instead of limiting the revenue to one-time purchases. Cloud gaming in the PC world, however, is a disruptive platform as the advantage of streaming games from a cloud increases the number of users as it eliminates the need for upgrading hardware on the user's end. In 2021, the Asia-Pacific region was the largest region in the global video game software market. 
Now, a simple question for you. Why go from bed to desk when you can have it all in one? Bauhut, a Japanese gaming furniture brand, aims to turn your desk into a secret base. The company has launched the BGB100FA electric bed, a motorized bed that lets users adjust the position of its back, leg rest, and foot rest with an inbuilt remote control. Designed to pair with Bauhut's products like the bed desk, it can also pair with their clothing rack or energy wagon, which houses refreshments. The device will also also lets users enjoy the gaming experience from their bed without the need to get up. For this experience, the bed has a value of $490, and a bundle that includes a gaming mattress comes to $670. More news on the way, and if you want to find out any more about the stories you've heard so far, simply head to the IFA newsroom online at news.ifa-berlin.com. Well, I warned you there was a lot to digest from the gaming world there as we settle into 2022 and to discuss things further. Joining me on the podcast now, two leading figures in the gaming industry from Omdia, Steve Bailey, Senior Principal Analyst of Games, and Paul Gray, Research Director of Consumer Electronics. I suppose, first of all, uh, Steve, if I come to you first on this, um, I've given a, a really short outline there of what you both do. But uh, Steve, are you able to tell me a little bit more about what your role uh, involves? Sure. So I am uh, an analyst with the games team uh, at Omdia, and our role is to cover um, any aspect of the games industry where consumer spend is involved anywhere in the world, regardless of distribution method or platform or business model uh, and so on. I've been in this role for about 15 years now. Before that, I was a journalist. And then before that, I was a mathematician. Oh, wow. So uh, <laughs> certainly, well, transferable skills very much there, aren't they? <laughs> and uh, and then if we cross over, uh, Paul Gray, Research Director of Consumer Electronics. So what exactly does that involve on, on a day-to-day basis? Okay, so I, uh, I run a team of 20 analysts and we research TVs, smartphones, home entertainment, uh, even uh, smart home products, uh, pro AV equipment, monitors, um, and uh, and really anything with a plug on that you have in your home. Um, and for that, we track and above all uh, forecast the market. Uh, so especially for us, then looking at new trends in terms of software, in terms of hardware capabilities, and what consumers then do with them and what services are available on them. So you weren't a mathematician previously? I wasn't a mathematician before that. <laughs> I, uh, I used to work in the chip industry and the display industry. And a long, long time ago, I was uh, I trained as an electrical engineer. Wow. Well, I mean, what, oh. what amazing uh, outlines to have there as well. And brilliant <laughs> to, to have it all uh, under now in, in the gaming industry. Um, but uh, Paul, actually, if I come back to you on this as well, as it seems a fairly uh, straightforward uh, link, but the gaming industry... It, it, Overall, it's been a, a turbulent time for all industries, especially the tech industry, up and down fluctuations going uh, throughout the pandemic, certainly. How, how has it all been faring on your perspective? Yeah, certainly. Um, there's a really big split, I think, which is depend- really the difference between um, developed and emerging countries. So developed countries um, with strong resources that consumers have and governments have, um, and above all, vaccination programs, then consumers had to stay at home, but they spent their money on home entertainment because they had spendable income. They couldn't spend on going out uh, uh, to eat out or they couldn't go on holiday or they couldn't travel. So they redirected that spending towards home entertainment. In emerging countries, it was very different, um, much less support for 
uh, for people in general and um, much, much tougher lifetimes as a result. And so what they did was they just had to make do as best they could, and we saw markets fall there. So very, very much a, uh, um, a two-speed world. Certainly. And then I suppose, Steve, picking up on that, I recently saw uh, Omdi had published that uh, smartphone shipments in particular had decreased by about, I think it was 12.9% in the first quarter of uh, this year. So it, what's the reasoning behind that? Is it is it uh, following on from the things that Paul mentions or or is it something completely different? And what does that mean for, for the gaming industry? So it's, it's to do with the continuing chip shortages, which obviously started uh, under to COVID, where there have been major supply issues affecting lots of different kinds of hardware, including game console, uh, of course. But also inflation, cost of living will be part of this. Um, a lack of new models to drive sales and possibly people having upgraded during the pandemic thanks to having more disposable income in the territories Paul talked about there, um, means that they just don't need to upgrade right now. Um, and in terms of consequence for the games industry, we don't think this is uh, a, a major point at all. Uh, mobile is still the biggest market by a, a whopping degree, um, and it's still a place of greatest opportunity. And the key challenges in mobile haven't changed. It's still about making sure you acquire people for your game, then find ways to retain them, and then hopefully monetize them as well. Those are the challenges before, and that situation hasn't really changed. Yeah, and I'd just like to add one other point, which is that the the smartphone business is changing from um, one of selling people new smartphones to one of a re longer replacement cycle. And as you notice, with this right to repair um, legislation happening, but also um, more generally that smartphone companies are now beginning to really take part in servicing their products and refurbishing them. And so the idea of a manufacturer serviced and refurbished product is becoming uh, is becoming real. And, and in, in that respect, it's becoming a bit more like the auto industry that actually, you know, manufacturers don't just sell a product and run away, but it's a uh, there's a service relationship that goes on afterwards. And I think the maturity of smartphones now, they're also capable means that consumers don't need necessarily to replace them so often. And that's one of the reasons why the, um, the market's slowing down a little bit. Um, it, it, it's, the, <laughs> it's the really, um, you don't need to replace your phone so often. I mean, I, I've got one that I, I use when I go out and ride, ride my bike. If I fall off my bike and smash it, it doesn't matter. It's iPhone 5. Does, wow. does the job perfectly well. And I bought it secondhand for about 40 pounds. Wow. Um, but it does the job. Um, and, you know, I, I think that reflects um, really how the, how the market is changing now, you know, just like you know, driving around in a 20-year-old car. I, it's a very, very valid point. And, Paul, I suppose um, with, with more and more sort of – well, it seems odd sort of describing, especially in, in the gaming world, and we come off the back of talking about smartphones and, and smart technology is such a, a big thing across the tech industry at the moment in from smaller household appliances to, to every aspect of, of somebody's life all the way up through the food chain. What's the future for gaming products in this respect? I, I think one of the things that we're really seeing is that with uh, with cloud gaming, and Steve really changed my mind on cloud gaming, um, a few months ago when he really explained mm. just how important it was, was that we will see a lot of different devices capable of doing that. You know, they're all compute platforms um, 
And we're now seeing smart monitors, for example, as well. So they, they've got the same sort of thing in the back of them as a smart TV. Um, and, and in many respects, uh, a TV is, you know, a 55-inch smartphone um, in terms of the hardware inside it and its capabilities. So I, I think what we'll see now is um, that actually the featuring and the capabilities of these devices will become very similar. The interfaces are different. The times when you use them are different. But there's an increased blurring of you know, what what each device can do. Um, people watch video on on smartphones. If you're stuck on a plane, then you watch video on a phone because it's the only screen you got, um, or on train. Uh, at home, you'll you'll use a TV. And so I, I think that what happens is that it becomes much more about the occasions you're using the device rather than standalone products for standalone functions. What then happens is, of course, a, um, a sorting out when, you, when consumers decide which one they want to use for what. And consumers do all kinds of strange things, you know, and it makes complete sense. Um, but, uh, for example, we're seeing, especially in Western Europe, um, a decline in the number of TV households. Why? Because people are quite happy using other devices for you know, what we would call TV-like viewing, so long-form video. Well, it's certainly fascinating, isn't it, to, to see how these trends are breaking out over the over the last couple of months, especially coming out of a, a truncated period. Um, Steve, is it worth picking up on um, what Paul says about cloud gaming? Are you able to just give us a bit of an outline about that? Yeah, cloud is part of like a hybridization of distribution methods that is happening in games right now. There's two kind of major hybrid trends happening. First is in business models. So producing more complex mixtures of subscription and outright purchase and microtransactions for consumers. But also this this elaboration of distribution method of which cloud is a part. Um, it's not going to supplant other device types. For example, cloud is currently best explored on console at the moment because you have companies like Xbox who have great ownership of the infrastructure involved there. They've got lots of content they make in-house. They've got a great dedicated gaming audience so they can gradually explore the potential of cloud gaming. It's still quite tethered to the technology involved and the restrictions. If you've got a bad connection, you can't do cloud for example. Um, and if you've got a great connection, maybe you don't need to do cloud because you could download games really quick. But there's a question of storage and also, as Paul highlighted, accessibility, just simply having things wherever you want them and for them to be continuous and easily, uh, just easy to run and access. One of the other things, actually, uh, as we come towards the end of this uh, short interview is, is the rise of... Um esports that I'm, I'm curious to, to pick your brains on a little bit and and that as an industry within itself um steve i'll come back to you on this uh, uh to start with you know it's it's massively grown in in popularity over the last couple of years it's become something people can can earn a living from is there a, a are you seeing or is there a direct correlation between i suppose this rise of esports and where the interest in the market is growing in gaming I'd, I'd say not a huge amount because esports doesn't produce that much revenue. Lots okay. of noise, lots of interest, but uh, the revenue is uh, for the esports segment is about 1.6 billion in 2021, and then doubling to about 3.1 billion in 2026. But that's still a very, very small part uh, of the market. Uh, sponsorship and rights management uh, 
those kind of deals drive the market. Uh, and even though events were offline during most of 2021 in the pandemic, brands retained and increased their interest because through esports, you can reach a very difficult uh, an audience that's very difficult to reach otherwise, which tends to be young, uh, very kind of passionate male audiences who love their games, um, but who are very hard to reach through traditional means. Um, that sponsorship has also been consistently very high uh, and take a place across lots of different companies from outside of gaming. So there's interest from like record labels, insurance companies, uh, beer makers, car brands, uh, and so on. The appeal of a young esports demographic is, is increasingly, you know, increasingly powerful, it is. Um, and the sponsorship will continue to be the single largest contributor to revenue in the next five years uh, or so. So yeah, esports is, is very important. It, it performs, I think, a very powerful role. It's a really, really important spotlight on the games industry, but the actual size of the revenue involved is not that great. Okay. Well, it's very interesting to hear, actually, and brilliant just to chat with both of you to get uh, a short sort of insight into, into the industry. Um, finally, Paul, coming back to you, uh, expectations from the gaming industry for, for this year and beyond. What are you hoping for? What are you expecting? Um, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave it for the gaming industry answer to uh, to Steve. But certainly, what we are seeing is that across consumer products, gaming featuring is becoming really front and center of um, messages, especially on TVs and monitors and things like that. Um, I think it's a very good thing mm-hmm. because it actually drives performance again in those products. Um, we're seeing a shift in the market away from cheap, cheap, cheap to better featured products again, which is really good news for brands and hopefully it's good news for consumers. Um, And in in the past, we saw Hollywood movie content becoming more like TV and TV becoming more like Hollywood movies. We've now got a third uh, axis that's appearing, which is gaming. And indeed, a lot of the techniques um, and and visual appearance of games is looking more like movies. and maybe people would argue that many movies are looking more like games. So I, I think we're really seeing uh, games becoming a, a, a third content genre all the way across AV consumption. And that idea of convergence, of course, is, is happening on both the content and the technology fronts. We've already yeah. talked about how there's kind of device convergence in terms of how uh, the patterns around how people consume. And the same is happening with, with the content side as well. And that opens up the entire idea of the metaverse, which we won't go near <laughs> in this call because, you know, we're nearly at time. But in terms of, of other issues or rather other trends defining the games landscape immediately, uh, we've talked about the hybrid nature of business models the hybrid distribution approach. There's also going to be uh, a lot of improvement around general working conditions in this industry. We've we've seen a lot of amazing games being created, but also a lot of what's known as crunch, which is people working overtime just endlessly to make these things. And that has to change and it is changing uh, gradually as well. There's also going to be, I think, a growing regulatory complexity around games. As people spend more of their time playing games, I think there's going to be a lot more scrutiny uh, happening around the form. Um, there's also the ongoing exposure to broader instability, so not just COVID, but also geopolitical instability. Uh, lots of things could be happening in the next two decades that aren't part of the games market, that maybe the games market is very happy to continue selling to consumers, but we are going to be affected by, even though it's, it's beyond our ken, kind of those wider geopolitical issues. Um, and then finally, there's that continued shift from product to service. The idea of selling somebody a game outright and that, that product, that game, then remaining in amber as a fixed experience is kind of over. It's now the time of service where you release a game, people can acquire it through multiple 
business models or distribution methods. And then that game evolves over time in response to consumer uptake. And there are multiple ways for people to engage with it and also to, to, to spend money on it as well. Well, look, clearly we've uh, only just really touched the surface on that. We won't open up the the Metaverse uh, (laughs) chat, but what a brilliant uh, insight. Thank you both, uh, Steve Bailey and Paul Gray from uh, Omdia for spending a bit of time with us on the IFA Tech Talk podcast. Some other news in the world of gaming now, powered exclusively by the IFA newsroom. As briefly discussed, cloud gaming is the current big trend and the market value as such is set to more than double to $12 million by 2026, according to Omdia's Paul Gray, who you just heard from this time speaking at IFA's global digital press conference. The consumer electronic market could see a big boost in products that support gamers and gaming, from simple things like headsets to TV sets, where gaming support has become a real major feature category. This comes in the wave of MediaTek's upcoming pen Tonic series chips for 8K and 4K TVs, which will support Dolby Vision's most advanced gaming tech. Sony and Microsoft have also realized the growing importance of cloud gaming with Sony's new 4K protectors designed with live color enhancer and the new Xbox inviting game developers to come on board with them to help them create cloud-first titles. Gigabyte is set to launch a new 55-inch 4K gaming monitor. The S55U has been launched by the Chinese manufacturer who are marketing the model primarily as a big format gaming display. The monitor uses vertical alignment technology combined with quantum dots to produce bold colours with a response rate of 2 to 5 milliseconds and 120 hertz refresh rate. At the time of reporting, Gigabyte has yet to release information on a release date or price range. Finally, the EFA Digital Press Conference took place at the start of May, revealing key trends in premium goods, home cinema, cloud gaming and omni-channel, as well as key statistics and figures from GFK and a guide to future trends by Omdia also being highlighted. For more information on what went down, simply head to the EFA newsroom. And that just about does it for this edition of IFA's monthly news podcast, Tech Talk. Thanks for joining us. I've been Harry Benjamin. To stay up to date with all the very latest news from IFA, head to the IFA newsroom. It's newsifa berlincom Don't forget to like, comment, share and subscribe to this podcast. And I look forward to seeing you same time next month. Bye-bye. The IFA Tech Talk podcast is proudly sponsored by Kuvings, the leading kitchen appliance brand loved by health-conscious people throughout over 80 countries. Kuvings, beyond best.